entitled, narcissistic, lazy, selfies, addicted to social media. If you've ever heard any of these words spoken over this generation called millennials and it bothers you, then today's conversation is for you. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second podcast. This is the Leading Second podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and we feel so honored to have a voice into your life and into your leadership every week through this podcast. Uh, The Leading Second podcast releases every Thursday, and uh, we're actually back from a week off. So welcome back to your weekly installment of uh, Leadership Thoughts for all of us who lead from the second chair. Today, I am so excited. We begin a four-part series of episodes that we're calling Millennials in Ministry. You know, at Leading Second, we are passionate about this generation. We are not into labels. We're into leadership. And our prayer over the course of these episodes is that we can debunk some of the labels that have been attached to this generation while at the same time identify some potent aspects of our culture that are very unique for millennials who are finding themselves in leadership today. So I believe this is going to be a helpful, powerful month of conversations on millennials in ministry. So as you know, we like to crowdsource our first segment every week on the podcast. And this week we had a question come in Uh, from a listener of the Leading Second podcast that we wanted to offer some thoughts to. So let's hear this question from a member of the Leading Second tribe. Hey guys, it's Caitlin Cooper from Celebration Church. And my question was, How do you prepare on Saturday to ensure you'll have a great Sunday service? I love y'all so much, and I love what Leading Second does, and I'm so thrilled to be a part of something this awesome. Well, I thought this was such a great question, Caitlin. Thank you so much for sending it in. How do you prepare on Saturday to ensure you'll have a great Sunday service? You know, um, my personal conviction is this. We will only ever be as strong as our preparation. Now, I want you to keep in mind as I answer this today that my answer is coming out of my personal journey. My initials are BS, and let's just say I have the gift of BS on my life. In other words, I can, I can come up with stuff on the fly uh, fairly well, and, and I had to learn along the way that my instinct was not as good as my preparation. In other words, the more prepared I was, the better I was the more effective I was uh, prepared rather than winging it. So along the way, I really started to take preparation seriously. Of course, understanding Sunday is game day. Sunday is Super Bowl. And so how we prepare for it matters. Uh, The first thing I think we need to dismiss along this question of preparing is the thinking that preaching is important, but if I'm not preaching, I'm just doing announcements, or I'm just taking up the offering in church, or I'm just leading a meeting, or I'm just doing the team huddle on Sunday. These moments are as important for us as moments where we get to bring the word. And I believe we should prepare for every moment with the same intensity as our pastors prepare to bring the word. In other words, those are the moments, those are the times for us to extend our pastor's voice into moments where they may not be. And I believe that that we need to give it the same level of preparation that our pastors do for developing their message. So on staff, when I was on our paid staff here at my home church, I started viewing Saturday mornings not as a day off, but as a day to prepare. I still spent some family time and whatnot, but I prepared intensely on Saturdays for Sunday, leaving nothing to chance. 
I figured if my pastor was at home preparing for the word, I needed to mimic and model that behavior. Practically, I had to learn to block out time to prepare. I had to learn to keep my notes organized from week to week. So I, you know, um, wasn't just saying the same thing every week. I had to learn to listen to myself after the meeting. If I had done announcements or emceed service or taught something, I had to learn to listen to myself after the weekend, which is painful to do and um, make sure I had a habit of getting better. I also had to learn, and some of you are going to have a hard time with this. I also had to learn to go to bed early on Saturday. Everyone else in the world is going out late on a Saturday, but I figured if I wanted to be fresh for Sunday and my pastor was counting on me, then I owed it to him and to our church to show up well-rested and not groggy. In other words, if I could wrap all that up in one statement, my weekends were not my own. And I still view that today. My weekends are not my own. Your weekends are not your own. Not if you want to have the privilege and the honor of leading on your pastor's behalf. Saturday is an excellent time for you to prepare. And the last thing I would say um, is this, when preparing Make it your filter to ask yourself, how would my pastor say this right now? How would my pastor say this right now? In other words, as you're preparing maybe to lead a huddle or teach a class or do announcements or lead your team, don't make uniqueness your filter. Don't make being special your filter or doing things your own way your filter. Rather, make alignment your filter. Make your filter. How would my pastor want this said if he or she was saying this right now? When you do that, you will extend the voice of your leader well. You will build trust and watch how pastor and the Lord will give you opportunity to lead in greater ways when you can be entrusted uh, with, with, with greater things because you stewarded well the small things. So Caitlin, I hope that question helped today. Uh, I hope it inspires all of us to prepare well on Saturday, to take the day seriously, because Sunday is coming. Sunday matters. Sunday is a day for us to lead and establish our own credibility as leaders. And much more importantly, Sunday is a day for people to meet Jesus and their experience meeting Jesus could very well hang on our preparation. If you have a question you'd like to uh, hear us discuss on the podcast, or if you'd like to share your I Am Leading Second story, I'd encourage you to head to leadingsecond.com or join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. Reach out to us, share your story or your question. We'd love to feature you on an upcoming episode. Well, today, as promised, we are so excited to kick off our four-part series on Millennials in Ministry. At Leading Second, we believe that millennials have been too quickly and unfairly labeled with with this term millennial being used negatively sometimes rather than constructively. There's been some words that have been associated with being a millennial. I mentioned earlier entitled, narcissistic, lazy. You've heard these words, but we don't believe that these are generational traits. We believe these are human traits and that our generation is simply dealing with humanity in a new way. You know, millennials aren't a new kind of leader. Millennials are simply leaders with a new set of skills and life experience, mainly a generation that has been shaped by growing up with the internet in their pocket. Personally, Lindsay and I are passionate about this subject of millennials and ministry because we consider ourselves half-breeds in this conversation. I subscribe to the thinking that millennials, uh, that generation began uh, with those born after January 1st, 1981. That's coming out of a couple specific books that we like on the subject. And if that's the case, then our graduating year from high school was the dividing line, was made up of of people from Gen X and the millennial generation. So we end up have, I guess, have felt like half breeds in this conversation that we consider ourselves having one foot in each camp. And while we might have the values of one, maybe have the style of another, we just want to lead the conversation and help us um, 
get it right. We also believe that millennials and what is being referred to now as Gen Z, uh, those born after 1995, combined form a significant generation in American history that is just about to enter its power years. In other words, the oldest millennials are just about to turn 40 in the next couple of years. And so churches and lead pastors, church staff, even young parents in our churches, our churches are filling up with millennials that are not just 21, 22, but really starting to lead in every significant sphere in our lives. So it's important that we get this conversation right, that we understand the seasons, that we understand the time, and that we have some important conversations. Today, we're going to talk about a specific element of our culture today, and that is leading in an entitlement culture. Entitlement is everywhere in our culture today. And, and while I don't believe that every young leader or every millennial is entitled or, or lives like they're entitled, I do believe that this is a topic that our generation is wrestling with today. Uh, for our conversation uh, today, part one of this series, I am so excited to welcome to the podcast a new friend of Leading Second, Chandler Boyce. Chandler is the executive director of Youth America, which is out of Church of the Harvest in Oklahoma City. Uh, he's a husband, a father, and a leader to many. He's a new friend of Leading Second. I am so excited for you to hear his perspective today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chandler Boyce on leading in an entitlement culture. Well, Chandler, it's good to talk with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you uh, letting me be on. I'm excited. I've been uh, following you guys for a long time and, and love the stuff that you're putting out. And so I'm excited to be here and, and meet you and talk to you some more. Absolutely. Always good to meet a new friend, especially publicly here in front of everybody. So that's always yeah. fun. I mean, if, yeah, if it's, if it's going to be awkward, it's going to come out here for sure. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. And by the way, thank you so much for all that your church has done, you know, for the greater church. I mean, for over 30 years, uh, you all, uh, through Youth America, uh, I, I know personally friends whose churches are so much better. The youth ministries are so much stronger because of what you're doing. So thank you guys so much for making the investment you make into the local church. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate all you guys do, you know, with leading second, but even, you know, your church and, um, team conference. And, you know, I've got quite a few friends up in your area that have been, and, um, even some friends that every year, like, Hey, you got to come to this. And I'm, I'm sad that I haven't taken the time to get up there. So I, I love what you guys are doing and have done and love your pastor and your church. So I'm excited just to, honestly, I haven't, I haven't really got to, um, talk to, you know, anybody from your guys's camp. So I'm, I'm really excited to, you know, build a relationship and learn from you guys as well. Awesome. Well, in the spirit of awkwardness, we're officially new friends now in front of everyone. So that's yes. great. <laughs> yes. Hey, always uh, need more friends. I, it's always good to have good friends, more friends. That's awesome. Okay. So before we get going, tell us a bit about your church and your family. I'm married. I got a wife named Natalie. Uh, she is uh, four years older than me. She's a PK, AKA a pastor's kid. Um, we've been married for Let's see, going on uh, eight years. We've got a two-year-old daughter. Um, we both serve and are on staff at Church of the Harvest here in Oklahoma City. Um, my uh, my wife's uh, my wife's dad was the founding pastor of both Youth America and Church of the Harvest, and we we actually just transitioned uh, the church from my father-in-law to my brother-in-law. So my my wife is our um, executive pastor, or I don't I forget like what everybody everybody's got different you know, different titles or whatever, but she's basically the, she basically, what I, what I tell people is she does whatever, um, Grant doesn't want to do. Um, so she gets to do all the fun stuff <laughs> and, uh, and then I help oversee youth America. Um, so we, we love it. It's a family, family affair. We've got some, a great team, great church and, uh, good things ahead. Good. Well, I need to talk to her sometime too. I love that. She's leading like that. She's, she's, a, she truly is amazing. And, what she's done and learned, like the amount of stuff she's had to learn and grow and stretch is like, it's mind blowing. And I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't have to do what she did. <laughs> <laughs> totally. 
That's awesome. Like, no. Okay. So, uh, we start with these questions with everyone we talk to, but take us behind the scenes a little bit of Chandler Boyce. Um, first question for you today. What time do you get up in the morning? Are you an early riser or a night owl? Man, it's seasonal. I, I would say, um, I'm a little bit of both. I do. Uh, I'm maybe a little bit old school mentality, but I think that, um, m- you got to get up early. I just think that you got to get up, you got to read, you got to pray, you got to eat, you got to create space um, before everyone else starts, the world starts coming at you. So I try to get up and get moving and get ready and all that stuff. Um, so, I, but I, I'm also like, if I, if I'm a guy, if, as long as I have about six hours of sleep, I'm good to go. So that's kind of the, well, the, 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 I'll text the, you the at 5 a.m. tomorrow and see if that's true. I don't know about that early. I didn't, I mean, like what's early (laughs) (laughs) when you're going through Starbucks or coffee shop, uh, what's your coffee order? (laughs) This is funny. Um, usually just black coffee, maybe black coffee with a shot of espresso or, or a black eye, you know, you know what a red eye is, right? But a black eye is too, Oh, you're from, you're in the North. What am I talking about? We don't know coffee down here in Oklahoma. You're like from the motherland of coffee. I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I wasn't thinking. Um, but if it's summertime, if it's hot, I'll get a venti passionberry tea lemonade. <laughs> That's quite the flip. I'm going to be honest. Oh yeah. Don't tell anybody I drink that. Okay. <laughs> Are you Apple or PC? Oh God. I'm unashamedly Apple. Like I have, I have the newest computer, the newest iPad, the newest phone. Uh, I don't have AirPods, but the only reason I don't have AirPods is because they don't fit in my ears. Um, and I don't have a watch because I look at my phone enough to not need something on my wrist. But I would, I like, you know, if someone got me an Apple watch, I wouldn't be opposed. (laughs) Okay. Order officially (laughs) submitted. Um, you You gotta let people know what you like. Feel free to drop your mailing address at the end of this. Yeah, episode. yeah, I will. Okay, what is your favorite thing to do on your days off? Favorite things to do, if I could do it all the time. I mean, I do enjoy, um, I, I do enjoy motorcycles. Um, honestly, now with a two-year-old, it's usually, um, you know, hitting up Target or as we like to call it in the South, South Target. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I love food. Um, I, you know, my wife and I love food, so it's we're always looking for the you know, the next restaurant to eat at. But, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of like what you said before is like, honestly, sometimes when days off means let's just, let's, let's sleep and get some rest and like, that's me do nothing. That's me. I'm so boring. Uh, last question for you, my favorite one, what is something interesting about you that very few people might know? Oh, this is so funny. Um, (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> so interesting thing is that, um, I love, I love, I love my wife and I love, uh, marriage, but what might, what might seem to be a little different. And I guess it's, it might not be, it's 2019, everything switched, you know, everyone's doing, <laughs> oh, you know, whatever. Um, but I, in my, in our, in our family and marriage, I'm the one that like, I love, I do the, I love shopping. I love buying clothes for myself, my wife, my daughter. Um, <laughs> I lo- like, I'm the one that gets mad when things aren't clean. I'm the one that like, I love decorating and like, you know, picking out furniture and like hunting through Facebook and Craigslist to find stuff. Like I love, like, it's, I don't know why, but like, it's, it's, uh, uh <laughs> That's it, awesome. like it's that like, I love Pinterest. Like I'm probably one of two guys that I know that actually have and are active on Pinterest. So, uh, for all you Pinteresters out there, hit me up because <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm there. Like I'm, I'm putting boards together and all that that's stuff. Amazing. So, uh, Hey, that's amazing. And we're going to, we're going to be very good friends. We're going to follow up in the next uh, podcast on, um, how to crush <laughs> Pinterest. <laughs> Okay. It's, it's booked. It's booked. Oh gosh. Okay. So in all seriousness, um, (laughs) what we wanted to do today is we wanted to kick off a series of conversations here on our podcast on millennials and ministry. I have been so excited to talk about this. Um, I love our generation. Uh, Lindsay and I, depending on what date you go by, 
uh, Lindsay and I, our graduating year is sort of the transition year between Gen Xers and millennials, if you will. And so we have always felt like half breeds mm-hmm. and we have always felt like we had one foot in each generation. And I'm yep. so passionate about and, and love seeing millennial leaders taking their place right now in churches and, and, and leadership and organizations. I'm also pretty passionate about the idea that millennials are misunderstood and misidentified. I think we have painted words over a generation like lazy and entitled and things like that, that uh, are not accurate and not Mm -hmm. true. And I think we want this to be a space where we can redefine what it means to be a healthy and uncommon millennial leader, realizing though we are leading in a very interesting climate in our, just in our culture right now, that, that is, that is, we have not seen before. And, um, it, there are some very real responsibilities that, that come with being a millennial leader right now. So for the next few weeks, we're just going to talk about this. We're going to lean into that. And Chandler, I'd love to get started with you with just the idea of, of how does that hit you with, um, being a millennial in ministry and, I guess, how, how can a millennial get it right and reframe that in their mind in, in the right way? Well, first, I think that like any generation coming up, you know, it's just only natural to, to, to feel some, um, feel some heat from those before us. I mean, you know, it's like, (laughs) you'll get this. It's like, you know, when, when, you know, like every pastor or whatever, but like we all wear like ripped jeans. I mean, everyone does. And, you know, your mom and dad's like, you know, you know, you got holes in your jeans. And I'm like, yes, dad. Matter of fact, I actually paid extra for them. Like there's material missing and I actually paid for that to get removed. But then, you know, it's funny is that I was looking through some of my dad's old photos from when he was in college. And, uh, there was a picture of like him and all his friends in like literally the shortest shorts ever. Like they, (laughs) like, I don't even think girls could, would wear shorts that shorts, like short now, like it, it was crazy. And so it's funny. Cause it's like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know, all these guys are like, Oh, you guys wearing them tight jeans and them holes in them. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys, you guys played basketball in short shorts. Like that's, that's so weird to me. So I, I say that as an analogy to say that I think every generation kind of gets, you know, heckled. But what I like, what I think about the, what's different about the millennials is because with the internet and social media and YouTube, um, we've realized that our voice can be heard and we can be loud, whether it's for the good or for the bad. And I, I think that it's, it's awakened or we we've seen the opportunity and we've experienced like how great we can be. Um, and, and that our voice does matter and it can be heard. And, um, and I think that can be good and can be bad. And so what I would yep. say from, um, you know, millennials in ministry is that, yeah, your voice does matter. And, and, you know, and I think your opinion does matter. However, um, you know, what you're building matters. And the reality is, is that as I believe as Christians, we're not called to build ourselves or our kingdom or our whatever. I mean, you know, we believe that the, the Bible says, I mean, I believe what the Bible says. This is, you know, if you'll build the kingdom of God, if you'll take care of his kingdom, he'll take care of yours. So it's, it's the realities is that we've got to, we've got to stop worrying about ourselves and building our brand and our platform. And if you, if you'll focus on building someone else's in the kingdom's platform, man, there's so much opportunity there. That's right. That's right. And for our conversation today, we wanted to lean into, I think one of the big words and the big ideas that our generation is wrestling with, and that is entitlement. And we, yeah. t- we titled this episode leading in an entitlement culture, because when you, when you look at our world, especially here in North America, our, our, um, generation is wrestling with entitlement. You're seeing this language and this thinking make its way deeper and deeper into every fabric, every bit of fabric of society. And it's making its way into churches. And there are some things that I think we need to be aware of. And we need to um, turn this from just being a buzzword into something we understand. What is entitlement? It's different than a lot of the language I feel like I see in the gospel. And (laughs) how do we lead in a healthy and an uncommon way in a generation that is wrestling with 
entitlement. So I guess Chandler, take us beyond the buzzword for a second. What is the word entitlement mean to you? You know, right off the right off the top of the head, it's like entitlement is is saying you deserve something, a position, a opportunity when you haven't done anything to deserve it. That's right. <laughs> or I even think about, you know, you're being entitled to someone's, you know, when people think that I deserve that or this position or that title, yet you haven't put in the hard work the tr- you know, you haven't grinded, you haven't put in the time, you haven't put in the, yep. the sweat equity, you know, it's, a, it's such a cheesy word. Um, but that's, and I, and I think that's, that I see that with millennials and I, I, and I think it's just happening because, because of the digital world, we're, we're able to see people being successful at a younger age, whether it's true, fake, whatever. And so we all want to, and I think at the, in our hearts, we all want to be successful. We, we all want to do great things, but then we start going, well, like, I don't want to settle for this or that job or this role because I'm better than that. And it's like, well, maybe, but you got to start somewhere. Um, yep. And I don't know, maybe, I mean, I mean, you know, you're, you're in the world. I mean, what are you, what are you seeing? And like, what, what, as far as entitlement, like, what is like, where do you think it's coming from? Well, one of the things I'm really interested right now, and just to be clear, we're not making a political statement today. So politics and politicians can wrestle with the political ramifications of this. So this is a church conversation today. Yep. But let's, Let's take what you just said. I think our our culture is wrestling with what's what are privileges and what are rights. Mm. And we live in this culture right now where everything is a right. Well, like I have the I have the right to walk across the street in front of oncoming traffic. I have I have the right to to say what I want to say. I have the right and when when things become rights instead of privileges, we start thinking we're owed something rather than being honored to have it. Oh. And to me, that would maybe be one of the, like, like part of the crux of the issue here Absolutely. Is, is privileges, things that we're grateful and honored to have are becoming rights. And then therefore, see you and here, here's what I want people to understand. You and I are a part of churches that have 30, 35 plus years of yeah. longevity. So we're probably talking out of personal pain here. A church mm-hmm. that launched three years ago is not going to deal with this uh, probably as much yet as they will later. But we're mm-hmm. dealing with with churches that have multiple generations in them. And so I stand on a platform every weekend when I'm at my home church, a platform I did not build. Yep. I, 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 did, I didn't build it physically and I didn't build it spiritually. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. And yep. the, the second you and I forget that, in fact, my pastor told me years ago, here's a little life hack or a ministry hack he taught me, was he said, as a young leader, every time you get on the platform, Thank the people that went before you. He said, you will build trust and, and uh, camaraderie with people older than you when they realize you're grateful that they provided you the opportunity you have to do what you're doing today. So I spent 10 years, every single time I was on the platform for a welcome, for an offering, whatever, saying, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that has the longevity we have and thankful for the people that went before us. And I don't know, it was my way of trying to express gratitude. No, it's, I mean, and that's the thing is, is in, and I know you're going to get into this, but when you start, you know, gratitude changes everything. If you're, if you're always grateful, if you're grateful for everything, you, everything is a privilege. Everything is an opportunity. Everything is a blessing. That's, that's, Um, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's (laughs) the whole, you know, ministry being built. Like I'm having this conversation because of what my father-in-law built. (laughs) Totally. You know, like I wouldn't even be like, I wouldn't even have this opportunity if it wasn't for the crazy things that had to happen before, you know, before I got to come into, you know, get to serve where I'm at. You know, I heard it said one time you know, that you've probably heard this saying, the thing I'm a part of is greater than the part I play. Yep. And that statement wrecked me years ago. And then I heard it followed up by this statement. That the thing I'm part of is making me look better than I am. Oh, that it's so true. You and I are both sitting here talking today uh, because of pastors that made a way for us to even be talking today. Oh, absolutely. Kind of a thing. 
Yeah, it's that's. I mean, like that. Those two statements are like. Those are like wall art tattoo. You know, like <laughs> put it in a motivational poster and keep it up somewhere where where you can see it. Okay, so talk back to me on this statement. This is kind of a bold statement, so you can disagree with me if you want, and we'll just edit it out. Um, Do you agree with this statement that entitlement is a cancer, that it kills honor, servanthood, and sacrifice? I mean, yeah, you can't have, it's one or the other. And one, you're either, one's either, it's either going, you know, you're either working on honor and you're working on sacrifice and submission or... Or it's the other way around where entitlement is just destroying everything, every part. I mean, I think it'll destroy, I think it can destroy not just leadership or ministries. I think it can destroy relationships. I think it can destroy marriages, um, friendships. uh, I mean, everything. (laughs) So you work with a lot of younger leaders. Talk to me. I guess I, I love to talk bold and I love to talk direct, but let's talk positive here for a second. What do the young leaders look like in your world or in, in your environment that are getting this right? You know, that, that, that are taking on a sacrificial, whatever it takes spirit and are taking on a, a life of honor and gratitude. Like what do those leaders look like right now? They're just doing, man, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. Let me think about that before I, I talk. Cause I, I've, I've got a couple, there's a couple leaders that are helping build, you know, we're, we've just launched this service and I'm super proud of, and honestly they're, if I just off the top of my head is I would say that they're taking initiative, but they're also asking good questions and they're just listening. Like they're just saying, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. Hey, what about this? You know, what, you know, and, and we have a conversation and they'll go, yes. Okay. I'll do that. They're just, and that might sound like a yes man or a yes woman, but I think that they, they've realized that, I mean, you know, and we've built relational, I think relational equity makes, makes is everything when it comes to leadership. So they trust us and they're just, and they just listen and they just do it. And it's like, it's a, it's, it's amazing as a leader. I'm like, God, thank God someone's just listening and doing it. I know that sounds so bad, like on, if you're on the other side, but it's like, now that I'm, you know, I'm getting to lead people when I come across people who just go, yeah. Okay, cool. I can do that. It's like, Oh wow. That's, that was easy. Like let's do it again. You know, you know, I Chandler, I was in the Philippines a week ago at the time that you and I are talking here and, um, I was at a church in Manila and they introduced me to a woman. I got to spend time in her house and her house was maybe 50 square feet. Oh, geez. Um, that slept five people. Whoa. And so you're, I understand it's a different context and you're talking about a different part of the world and all that, but she's a volunteer at this church and, and what her pastor said about her, her pastor was introducing her to us. And he said, this is a volunteer who says yes first and then asks, what are we doing? (laughs) And I thought that was, that was so, it impacted me so deeply to see someone who in, in our context, we would say has so little, and yet she has this amazing big spirit about her of saying yes, and then mm. saying, what are we doing? And you yeah. just, you just mentioned something we hadn't talked about this, but you just mentioned being a yes man. I think that is a word we have slapped on each other over the years. Oh, don't even get me started. No, I want you to go for it because I want to debunk the idea of why being a yes man is brown nosing or, you know, why it's like, why someone who's all in like that, like we have, we have slapped that as a negative thing on each other. I think wrong, wrongly. Absolutely. I mean, here's, here's, here's what I believe is that when you look at the root, okay, you got to look at the root for me, the root word of honor which is kabod or kabed, and it's it's to add value or add weight to something. So when it comes to when I when I say yes, uh, when being a yes man or yes woman, it's really about honor. Now I'm not saying to be, we're not you know I'm not talking about being numb minded or to be a puppet. I'm talking about if you believe you're somewhere and you believe that you're called to that church and that pastor or that leader, and you're choosing to be on that team. And you're saying, you know what? I, I think I can follow them. 
then you need to honor them. And the way you honor is you add value and you add to, you add weight. So the reality is, is that in what you, what you honor is you get access to and you, and you get, you get, you get, you know, you have access to whether that's just opportunity or, you know, like having a relationship and the conversation and and being around. And so I, I tell people, like I tell some of our team, I'm like, listen, like it may look, it may look like a little bit of brown nosing, but if your heart's right and you're honoring and you're looking to serve and say yes, that's going to take you places that nothing else can. Like in my own life, I, like that, that's all I've done. I, all I've done is said, yes, I don't know. Like I'm the only reason I'm here is because I got out of college. No one would hire me. I had a degree. I, sh- I thought I should have a great job, right? It's that, you know, millennial like entitlement, like, why is no one hiring? My own dad wouldn't hire me. He's like, I don't, I can't, like, I don't, you know, you can do this. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, serve. And I said, okay. So any anytime there's an opportunity to serve, all I said was yes. I just said, yep, yep, yep. I'll do it. Yep. Don't know how to do it. Don't know what I'm doing. And many times I wasn't trained right. And I just did it, figured it out, Googled stuff, asked questions. And, um, and, and I really think, you know, through that God was teaching me about honor and that if I'll just say yes to the opportunities and here's the reality is opportunities don't always look pretty. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I know you know this, but I just said yes. And I I've just been saying yes for a long time and, and, and not even yes to the, like, yes to the little things. And, and I think that's honestly, that's, I think God's blessed me with some relationships and some opportunities simply because I was, um, I was just saying yes to, to literally anything that I, I could. That's so good. And I, I pray that everyone listening just heard that, uh, just received that. If, if we have slapped that label of yes, man, or, you know, you know, your butt kissing or something, I just think we need to get rid of that language because our world needs a few more aligned all in people right now. Well, and, and I love it too. Cause if when you, you know, and you, I know you've talked about this too, but when you, the funny thing is about when you, when it comes to leadership in the Bible, the greatest leader of all is a great, greatest servant of all. So if you, if you want to be a great leader, you need to be a great servant. And so being a great servant means doing anything and everything for anybody you can like, yeah. So, so well it's said. like, you know, it's like, well, I, you know, how can I serve you? It's like, go get someone some coffee, go open the door for someone, go, run an errand, do some, do stuff that you like, do stuff that like hurts, like do stuff. That's a little like, like demoral, like, Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. No, you, sh- you, you probably should be doing this. Like you should probably like, it's probably good for you. <laughs> totally. So I recently wrote down, um, and I feel like this is coming out of my church culture and I'd like you to lean into each of these as we kind of get ready to land the plane here. Okay. Um, mindset, mindsets that kill entitlement. Because I just think we just need to put to death entitlement in our own lives, in our own spirit. We can't do everything about culture, but we can determine how we lead. First yeah. thing we say a lot at my church is simply this. I am entrusted, not entitled. Mm, so that's we, good. We, I am entrusted with everything and entitled to nothing. So good. And what does what does that mean to you, Chandler? What does the difference look like between being entrusted Versus being entitled. I think about it like this is that if you truly believe in grace and you truly believe that God's in his son and that to die for each and every one of us, that we could have a relationship and that without that, we would be like in a horrible place. And like, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I don't have to sacrifice like cows and goats. So thank, thank God for grace. Um, <laughs> But I think that if you if you truly believe that in grace and that now that you were bought with the price, that our life is not our own. It's been bought with the price. And so nothing I have is my own. Everything belongs to God, like everything. And so when you when you when you come, when you come and look through life through that mindset perspective, I think you start looking at everything and going, wow, like I am blessed. I am you know, I am grateful. And I think for me, I kind of have this, it might, might be a weird philosophy or theology, but for me, it's like at the end of the day, if, um, you know, like at the end of the day, no matter how good or bad it is, we've got grace. And that's, man, that's all, that's all that matters. As long, as long as I got my relationship with Jesus and I'm like, 
and I've got grace, it's a good day. And I think that's, that's something that's saying, Hey, I'm not entitled because without God, without Jesus, it wouldn't matter. Totally. It really comes down to who owns it in the first place. I I love it. So well said. Second mindset I think I wanted to bring up is this number two, I will honor the sacrifices others make. So entitlement tends to overlook that someone else paid for this thing that I have. Someone else made a way for this thing that I have. And I, I think I'm really passionate about young leaders remembering we sit on chairs somebody else paid for. Yeah. And, and we stand on stages somebody else built. And they're grateful that we get to do that. They just, I think, want us to remember they, they gave us that opportunity. And, um, I guess, what does that statement mean to you about, uh, I, you know, I will honor the sacrifices others made for, for, I get me to have this moment. Yeah, I think that's, that's really important. And I could say that I've failed a lot of times because I think millennials, we have access to so much information and we want to make change and we want to bring change and be the change and all this stuff. But what we do is we, we start criticizing and we start stomping on what's gone before us and I, and, and, and not necessarily out of a, out of a, the wrong heart, but we got to honor those people and the things before us, even if we need to make improvements and change and whatever. Um, and in, in reality, it's just, it's, it's always about, you know, people. And so we just got to make sure that those people that are above us, um, even if they are a little outdated or whatever, we've got to honor them. Cause the reality is, is like, you know, I'm still young, but I, I already feel old and I, and I've already like, I'm like trying to get in my like young adult youth days as <laughs> like as much as possible. Cause I know just in a, you know, a few years, I'm, you know, I'm going to have these, this Gen Z and what, who, whoever's, you know, gin, whatever's after them, like saying like, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that? Why are you saying that? And I'm going to be like, Oh crap. Like, here we go. Like, it's already like, cause I think honestly, here's the deal for millennials. It's going to happen faster to us than it's happened to any generation before us. True. Like we're, we're getting, our generation is going to get quote unquote older faster because of social media and the internet and the move of technology and all that stuff. So like, we're going to be like, we're going to turn around and like, I mean, I already feel that. Like I, I, I can't, the college students around me, I can't even make jokes about anything because they don't know what I'm talking about. It's terrible. I know. Like, they did, like I asked one of them if they'd ever seen Office Space, and they were like, they didn't. I don't even. They're like, I don't know what that movie is. I'm like, what? Uh, well, we can. My, when we're done I need with my this, stapler. We, okay. Yeah, when we're done with this, we can, um, we can lick our own wounds and oh, just, God. just feel old together. How about that? Okay, keep going. We, we are old. Um, no, no, okay, oh, no. I think the third mindset is this: I will own every problem or challenge as an opportunity to grow. Um, I don't think our pastors need perfect leaders. I think they are looking for growing leaders. So lean in for just a minute into the idea of taking personal responsibility for your own growth, your own leadership development. Why is that so important for a millennial leader today? So good. I hate when I hear people say, well, they don't invest in me. No one's pouring into me. Oh gosh, I know. What does that mean? Like, the go go on YouTube. There's a free masterclass on everything. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. The truth is, is that we all we the end of the day, we're responsible for one person, and that's ourselves, spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And we have a responsibility as leaders, as humans, as Christians, to grow and take care and watch over ourselves. Now we need people in small groups to help us and speak into our lives and all that stuff, but we got to take a responsibility for that. And, um, and the reality is, is that if you're not growing, you're, you're either going to have, you're going to either like get replaced or you're going to get moved somewhere else. And so, um, you know, you gotta, yeah, that's, that's just a, like, for me, it's like, and I say that cause I, 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 I mean, I don't know about you, but I got to a place where I was like, well, no one's teaching me. No one's pouring into me. No one's, you know, and, and. And, you know, it's like, God's like, yeah, they're busy doing it with other people and saving people. And, you know, they're, they don't, they don't, they're expecting you to grow yourself because they believe in you. So go do it. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I I don't Um, know how it was for you. For me, here's another ministry hack for me. Um, I can't remember in all the years my pastor has been my pastor. I can never remember once him sitting down and saying, today, we're going to have a discipleship conversation. 
I don't think it happened no, one time. Never. Um, what he did do, there's two meetings that I was a part of that I think shaped me the most. Number one, I sat on his message planning team for probably seven or eight years straight. And that's seven or eight years of every Monday getting to hear him wrestle with theology, getting to hear him wrestle with um, putting together sermons. That's where I learned how we thought about everything, first of all, let alone listening to him teach every week. And then it was Saturday night, because we have Saturday night church at our, at our church, Saturday night debrief, hearing him like talk about what he liked and didn't like in service. And I, the reason I'm bringing those two up is people listening may or may not be in those kind of meetings with their pastors, but here's the deal. I wasn't there to grow. I was there to add value into his world, but, and I was welcomed into those environments, but I took responsibility in those moments to say, how can I grow out of, how can I grow out of being in his airspace? And I didn't waste those years. I I used those years. And now I get to, I think, share a lot of that wisdom, but really it just came from like a decade of sitting, adding value into his world and taking responsibility for myself. That's, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I never had a discipleship. It was always, uh, here's what you're doing wrong and fix it or <laughs> me going, wow, I don't know what I'm doing. I better figure this out. <laughs> we can do a Anyways. podcast on that one too. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's land the plane with this one. I think a, a final mindset, you've already said it is I will honor in 360 degrees. What that means in our culture is I will honor and I will be grateful to everyone up, down, yeah. all around. Oh yeah. Gratitude, honor. In fact, I feel like I start every day right now just telling God how grateful I am. Maybe it's just my way of trying to kill whatever would try to creep up. What oh, what good. does honor and gratitude, I guess, mean to you? How has it shaped and affected your life as a as a growing younger leader? I mean, honestly, like it, since I got into ministry, I would say that though like honor and those are probably two of the biggest things that God's like worked on me through and, and spoken to me about and helped me through. Um, because I think honor is everything. And I think gratitude, I mean, I'm the same way I wake up. I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you for today. It's going to be a great day. You know, go to bed, man. Thank you for today. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my daughter, my house. Thank you for my job. Like, you know, like, you know, the little things. And I think, um, in, in true three, like we always, like I always Dan Lord, who's a great friend. And, you and know, really Dan, that, uh, yeah. Dan Lord is like the man. He's on like, one of my next episodes. You didn't know. that. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Dan Lord is like, seriously. So we've had these on our conversations and he's helped me a lot. Um, because he's been, you know, his position that he's, that he had been in for a long time, but he, you know, it's honored down or honor up, honor down, all, honor all around. And, uh, you know, now like the honor down thing becomes even, you know, harder than honoring up sometimes. <laughs> and, um, it just changes your perspective on life. And, and honestly, you just, you value people a lot more and you value everything you have. So that's so good. Okay. My friend, I, I've loved talking with you today. Um, you are not going to be able to escape being a friend in our world. So, so, so great to meet someone that I didn't even know thought so much the same way we think. So, um, I, I'm grateful for that. No, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part and I've gotten so much from this conversation and I can't wait to learn more and listen more. And if you're listening, um, you need to listen to the, when Dan Lord comes on, because I promise you that man is full of wisdom and knowledge and he has been like he's seen it and been through it all and so i'm like crazy pumped that you're having dan lord on he's gonna be um, he's gonna be talking as a part of this series on um honoring authority oh gosh it's gonna be so good and it's gonna be hilarious because he's literally one of the funniest people that's I know. what podcast dreams are made of right there gosh i want to like <laughs> i want to get i, I want to go see him anyways um Okay, last question before I let you go. Unprompted. You just have to give me your gut reaction on this one. Ooh. Land the plane. Why do you love the local church? What what is it about God's church that wakes you up in the morning and wants to wants to serve like you do? Cuz there's just so many people that just need uh, in this world there's just so many lost and hurting and purposeless people and I just want to I want to help people and help other churches 
like show people and build people and give them a reason to live and give, give them a reason to, to build great families and businesses and reach other people. Um, and, uh, and I think it's, and I just, I just love it because we serve, you know, a perfect God and he's using a bunch of broken people to build his church. And it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy and fun. And, and I just think that, uh, at the end of the day, it's, you know, the local church is the hope of the world and we got a, we got a lot to do. It's a lot been done. And, um, uh, you know, I think that if, if people, especially young people can, get plugged in, serve and, and, and do whatever they have to at first, they will find their purpose, their plan, their everything in the local church. That's right. Well said. We'll leave it there today. And so grateful for you, man. Thanks for your, um, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. uh, Part one of our series, Millennials in Ministry. I hope you'll be back next week as we continue with another important uh, topic in this conversation. If this podcast has resonated with you, help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. That just simply means hitting that subscribe button, sharing the podcast with your team, with someone in your world that may not know about it. Also, you could really help us out by leaving a rating or a comment. Uh, We would absolutely love to hear from you. Also, I want to encourage you to head to leadingsecond.com on our resources page and check out our newly released online course. This is a way for you to bring Leading Second teaching to your church. It's a series of video teaching available for you and for the leaders in your church free of charge that uh, can hopefully help you in your leadership development pipeline. You can also help us out by becoming a chapter leader. And there's information on all of that at leadingsecond.com on our resources page. We'd love to, I guess, help you out with that new tool in our arsenal. So Leading Second, we love you. Uh, So thankful to be building church alongside of you. I can't think of something more rewarding that we get to do than to be church builders. So until next time, Leading Second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.